are now listening to a very special message from Joy Community Church. Good morning to all of those who are with us from Facebook today. We are, I'm just really glad to be with you today. Um, what I'm going to speak on today is one of my favorite things, and that's the story of, of, about Mary, the mother of Jesus. She's one of my most famous, favorite characters from the Bible. And this is continuing in our, ser- our series, The Sounds of Christmas. And my particular subject is Mary's Song of Praise, often called the Magnificat. Magnificat is a Latin word for my soul magnifies the Lord. So it's with great joy that I come to share with you this morning. And speaking about Mary today, we will talk about God working his plan through unexpected people in society and the response of those um, chosen by God. We will also see that God already is overturning the world's structures and expectations as we shine our light on the Virgin Mary today. So the story that I'm going to be telling you, if you want to look it up in your Bible, will be from Luke chapter 1, verses 26 to 46. And I'm going to start with a little background information before I get to the Magnificat. So Mary was the teenage daughter of a man named Joachim, Yochum was of the tribe of Judah, and her mother was Anne, who was of the tribe of Levi. And she was living in a village called Nazareth in Galilee. She was a virgin. She was engaged to Joseph. It was so interesting that last night, I don't remember what I was looking at on my phone, but they started talking about the engagement period during those times was a very strict and formal Um, attachment. They did not live together or consummate marriage or anything, but in every other way, they were considered married. So very much different than engagements that we understand today. So she was engaged to Joseph, who was a descendant of David. And even by the standards of today, Mary's little town of Nazareth was not much thought of by outsiders. So this is the description we have of Mary, a poor, somewhat, a poor peasant woman, a teenager from a poor family in a small, the town was about 400 people, um, the population. It was nondescript, and it was a very Jewish village. And this Jewish village was in the midst of a Greek-cultured Roman world. So this is Mary's world, okay? She's in this little place. And to this young peasant maiden, an angel named Gabriel appeared in this little town of Nazareth to bring her the good news from the Lord her God. Mary was about to have her whole life hijacked by the Lord her God so that she could play a pivotal role in God's redemption plan. And Gabriel greets her based on what God says she is. Now, we just talked about what we say she is. Even Luke, at the beginning, gives a description. But God had another thought or another description for Mary. Now, Mary is not unaware of who she is. She's not unaware of how people might look at her or her town or her family. She's not unaware of where she came from. But 
It says in the word of God that she was confused, troubled, taken aback by what the angel says to her. For Gabriel says, greetings, favored lady. Or in another translation, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Now, in her mind, Mary probably said, who, me? This was how the Lord saw Mary before he even asked her to do anything for him. And then Gabriel continued, you have found favor with God. You will conceive and have a son and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the son of God, the son of the most high. Now Mary knew from her living as a Jewish person, this son of God, this son of the Messiah meant that, I mean, the son of the most high meant that she, this was the Messiah. So Mary's hearing, I, Mary, have gotten the attention of God. I'm listening to this heavenly made messenger shining bright in front of me, and an impossible thing is about to happen to me. Now, about the messenger, remember what Gabriel said? Pastor told us about this last week when he was talking to Zechariah, right? And he said, I stand before the very presence of God. So this messenger from the very presence of God was coming to tell her all this stuff. And she's like, what's going on? There was no TV then, no radio, no movies, no spectacular Broadway or Vegas shows or entertainment, nothing like that to stir up her imagination. So what was happening to Mary in her little nondescript village of Nazareth, Mary from her little family was probably extremely overwhelming. We would say on, in the day's day, you know, tilt, you know, it's just way over what you could think about. Off the charts. The angel had also told her, don't be afraid. Well, okay, <laughs> don't be afraid. So you know what you kind of had to do? I think Mary had to just kind of take a breath, put her fears in perspective, and open herself up to God's message and to God's love. Mary was being told right then her life's purpose. Her whole life was now part of God's plan. And God's plan would encompass her whole life, her body, her family, her relationships, her social status, her money, her time, everything. This is the life that she was about to step into. She was to have a child, not just any child, the child, the Messiah, whom God would give the throne of his ancestor David, and he would reign over Israel forever. Now, with all of that going on and the angel standing here looking at her because she's telling her these things, she realized a very valid point. And she asked for clarification on that point. She said, how's this going to happen? I'm a virgin. How is this going to happen? But Gabriel, not daunted, had a reply. And he said, God's very presence, his Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you so that the baby born to you will be holy, sacred, set apart unto God. It will be the Son of God. 
Can you take that in? What if somebody walked up and just told you that? All right? With all the knowledge, the technology, the understanding, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, that we have today, can we truly say that we understand what the angel just told to Mary? No. No. Yet, yet, what was Mary's response? With all of her heart, now not all of her mind, not all of her understanding, but with all of her heart, she replied, I am the Lord's servant. May everything happen to me as you, speaking to God, talking to her through the angel, have said. May it come true. Wow. Would we have done that? I, I, I don't know what I would have done. I would have tried to stop and figure it out, you know, or think about it, or do I want this, or... You know, a whole bunch of things. And I'm saying all this because God is coming to each one of us. Nobody else in history will bear the Christ child. But God has a job for each and every one of us that's just as key, that's just as important because God prepared it for us to do and no one else can do it except for you. So when God talks to you, what will you say? What will you do? This young girl said... May it happen to me as you have said. Wow. This is a poor peasant girl. Not much life experience. You know, the little village of 400 people, or mostly her family probably. And this thing comes to her. Now, God talked to me about Mary because I asked him, I've always talked about Mary to the Lord, and he spoke to me about her. She did not try to figure this thing out. She did not try to process it. She did not try to reason it. Us that are born in the United States of America, we have got to understand it. We've got to get into it. We've got to study it. You know, we got to think about it. We got to pray about it. We got to do all this stuff. But she did not try to figure it out. She did not try to process it or reason, reason it out. Definitely, she, it was way above her head. It was way above her understanding. But very wisely, Mary did not take on the weight of all of that that the angel said, trying to put it all in, take it in, work it all out. No, in the simplicity of a child, that's what the Lord said to me, in the simplicity of a child, she just accepted it and said, yes, Lord. When God comes to us with the things he had, oh, I'm sorry, with the things he has for us to do, what will we do? Will we try to do all the things we talked about before, or we will simply accept it? Listen to what else he said. This is what he kind of inferred to me Mary was thinking. I am wholeheartedly on board with your plan, God. Yes, I'm uncertain what lies ahead, but I willingly surrender to you. I trust you, God, to take care of all the subsequent details. I don't even know what they are. I have complete faith that you can carry all of this out. Wow. Isn't that a great lesson? When I was writing all of this out that the Lord was telling me, <laughs> this is what God said to me. Are you listening? Huh? Deborah, are you really listening to what I'm saying now? The journey that Pastor Alvin and I are going through right now is like, I don't understand it. 
but there's, there's moments I try to grab hold to it. Okay, we're going to go in, we're going to say this, this, and this, and we're going to do this, and let's fix this out. And, and he's saying, <laughs> in the simplicity of a child, Deborah, just say, I accept it. I, I believe that you can take care of all the subsequent details. I have complete faith in you, my father, to carry all this out. And that's what he's saying to all of us, no matter what it is we might be facing. Amen? So when she said yes, the angel said, good, and he left, right? <laughs> so now <laughs> that the angel has left, maybe other thoughts started falling into her mind. All right, surfacing in Mary's mind. Let me think. What? Okay, I got to live here in this little town with the people. What will they say? Wow, what will my family say? Oh, Joseph, what is he going to say? How am I going to look to him? How am I going to ever tell my parents? Any of you ever seen the movie The Nativity? I love that scene where she sits up in the room where everybody's asleep and looks around and she said, how is anybody here to ever believe me? And then later on, when she talks to her mother, she says, Mary, an angel came to you and told you that you're going to have the son of God. Mary, come on, Mary. But the father said, but Mary's never lied to us. You know, so there was like, what's going on here? What's going on? How do I tell my parents? How do I tell my family? Will they ever believe me? Because I, Mary, cannot prove a thing. Family and friends will all think I'm lying. But Mary, yes, was risking a lot, including possibly being stoned to death for immorality, including possibly being labeled an immoral woman for the rest of her life. And that's a nice way to say an immoral woman. That's a nice way to say it. Or maybe she might have even been shunned and put out of her family and her community. All these things probably started falling into her mind after the angel left, okay? One last thing Gabriel did say before he departed from her is that Mary's cousin Elizabeth, known to be the barren one, was six months pregnant in her old age. She had conceived a son and the son we know as John the Baptist. And why did he tell her that? He said, nothing is impossible with God. That is what Gabriel told her. Nothing is impossible with God. And I asked the question, why did Gabriel share this news with Mary? I can think of two good reasons. Number one, to remind her that the same God who miraculously allowed two very old people to conceive and bear a son and a great son at that, would also cause all he had said to Mary to come about. And number two is about Elizabeth. Elizabeth was someone on earth, a flesh and um, blood person that Mary could talk to, who would believe and understand the truth and the magnitude of what God was doing in and through her. God connected Mary to Elizabeth for comfort, support, and reassurance. Isn't our God good? He's so good and he's so kind. He knew 
you got to have somebody to talk to. <laughs> so Mary, in just a few days, gets up and goes to visit Elizabeth in the hill country. And when she sees Elizabeth, she goes, yes, she is pregnant. What the angel said is true. And she greets Elizabeth with a big smile, and the baby in Elizabeth's womb jumps for joy. The mother Elizabeth and the son are overjoyed to see her. Then Elizabeth, her cousin, is filled with the Holy Spirit, and she blesses and she prophesies. First, she says, you are blessed above all women, and blessed is your child. And then she prophesies, and why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord, which means the Messiah, should visit me? What? Mary's not showing yet. What? How do you know this? All right? The prophecy shows that Mary was pregnant with the Messiah. And Elizabeth, another flesh and blood person, knows and believes Mary will birth the Son of God. Amazing. Amazing. So next, Elizabeth says to her, Mary, another blessing. You are blessed. Why? Because you, Mary, believed that the Lord would do what he said. When God gives us something, what? Outlandish out there. Do we believe what God has said? I have some things going on in my mind about Pastor Alvin. I'm believing what God says no matter what. Till he shows me something different, I'm believing for way outside the box. Because I believe that's what he's showing me. So we hold on to that. And she said, because you believe that the Lord would do what he said, you are blessed. When we believe that the Lord would do what he says, we are blessed. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Woo, awesome, awesome, awesome. So now, Mary could embrace her cousin in joy and relief Somebody else knows. Somebody else understands. And she hung out with Zacharias and Elizabeth for about three months till she was beginning to show probably um, a little bit of that. But after she heard this particular thing that Elizabeth spoke about her being blessed because she believed what the Lord had said would come to pass, it says that praise began to bubble up from deep within Mary's spirit and soul and she was overflowing with praise and gratitude. So if we could put up here the scriptures that I have, this is from Luke chapter 1, verses 46 to 55, and this is called the Magnificat, or this is Mary's song. All right, remember, she's a teenager from Nazareth, from a poor family, and this is what's bubbling up out of her. Oh, how my soul praises the Lord, how my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he took notice of his lowly servant girl. And from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one is holy, and he has done great things for me. He shows mercy from generation to generation to all who fear him. And his mighty arm has done tremendous things. He has scattered the proud and the haughty ones, and he has brought down princes from their thrones, and he has exalted 
the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away with empty hands. He has helped his servant Israel and remembered to be merciful. For he made this promise to our ancestors. He made this promise to Abraham and his children forever. Wow, those are the words <laughs> of a young teenage girl who has been overpowered by the presence and power of God and is rejoicing in praise and gratitude. Amen? There are lessons that we can learn from this young woman and her outpouring of praise to the Lord. Mary, blessed and highly favored as she was, also in true life was facing difficult, discouraging, trying, hurtful, and potentially dangerous situations to come in her life. Yet, Yet, in the face of those circumstances, Mary chose to pour out a song of praise to God. As we face our tests and trials in this awful world, let us learn from Mary. So if we could put up the lessons from Mary's song of praise. Number one, in her song of praise, Mary models for us a mind saturated in the scriptures. Moved by Elizabeth's words and blessings and all the angel had said to her, Mary is overwhelmed and is moved to praise God with phrase after phrase after phrase from scripture. This simple girl knows the word and is saturated in it. We need to know the word and be saturated in it. It says, I looked at a lot of different things, looked up a lot of different um, teachings. Her words models, um, her words, I'm sorry, from the song came from many, many Psalms. Psalms 103, 22, 44, 89, 98, 25. These are all things that you know theologians looked into. She alludes to Hannah's song. Remember Hannah, the mother of Samuel? How glad she was that the Lord had blessed her with a son. And that's from 1 Samuel 2, verses 2 through 10, as well as many other scriptures. Mary was able to pray, sing, and thank God through scriptures, the scripture that was stored up already in her heart. The word of God says, out of the abundance of the heart, Mary's, mark, Mary's mouth sang. I said sang. She spoke, but she sang. Number two. From verses 46 to 48, Mary models from us, for us, a heart of humility. Mary has been given an awesome and honorable position, and she has found great favor with God. She is the Messiah bearer. Nobody else in past history or going forward till the end of time will ever be able to say that. All right? Her calling, her very reason for existence has been revealed, and that reason for her existence was very great. Wow. See, I'm in this little town. I'm in this little thing, but I, God saw me. Blah, 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 blah. She could say all those things. But no, she responds with humility. And her thought, oh, my God, the Lord noticed me. Oh, my goodness, the Lord 
blessed me. Those were her responses. She recognizes who she is. She recognizes her need for a savior. I need this child in me just like everybody else in the world. I need him too. She recognizes her lowly estate, and like I said, God took notice of her. She calls herself a willing servant of the living God. Other translations say she calls herself a willing bond slave. A bond slave was a person in those days and time who gave their lives over for the rest of their life to their master. She was a willing bond slave of the Lord. She is given a position of responsibility, influence, and um, power when she's told what's going to come upon her by the angel. And so the angel, the God, everybody, they're watching. What's she going to do? She responds with humility. Humility. Number three, as she's singing her song of praise, Mary models for us an attitude of gratitude or thankfulness. Over and over and over, her phrases of thanksgiving are uttered, and it fills her song with gratitude. Now, in her day and time, there are a lot of things that, they, they, why thank God for that? Why thank God for Roman soldiers? Why thank God for being under Rome or being in a poor thing or not having enough money? Do we have enough food? Why are so many people living in such a little house? There's so many things. But she chose to focus on God and to give praise and thanks to him. Thank you, God, for all you propose to do in and through me. Thank you, God, for letting me be a part of your plan. Thank you, God, for letting me be a part of your purpose for the whole earth. Those are just things that she thought about. Doesn't sound like something that a little peasant teenager would think about, right? Shouldn't she be thinking about TikTok or, you know, um, TV shows, movies? No, but this is what she was thinking about. Isn't that something? To me, this is just amazing. All right? Number four. Oh, I'm sorry, the last um, number three was from verses 46 to 49 you could find about the gratitude. Number four, this is, listen to this, Mary models for us the importance of an experienced-based acquaintance with God's past dealings with his people. An experienced-based acquaintance with God's past dealings with his people. This also calls for you to really know the word of God. She had to know the word to stand on this. Mary makes much of God's past dealings with his people, the Jews. For her, Mary, the way God dealt with his people in the past gives her a clue to how God is going to deal with her and what she's facing now today. So she sees that the Lord surprised his people in times past, in hard situations, with grace, grace. So she expects the Lord to surprise her with grace and deal with her in the same way. She believed it would help her to cope with the hard circumstances of life that she might be facing. Wow. Can we do that? Can we think about things that we've learned from the Lord, lessons that we can see in the scriptures, lessons that we can see in church history and how God treated his people, how he surprised them in hard situations with his grace. 
and look at those things and believe that God can do that for us today in whatever it is that we're facing. Amen? And finally, in verses 54 and 55, Mary models for us a personal trust in the covenant promises of God. The covenant promises of God. Again, she had to know the word of God. She spoke of the covenant of God with their ancestor, Abraham. She started stating the promises that God made to Abraham, and she said, Lord, they're being fulfilled now in the bringing of my son into the world. She is linking the promised birth of Jesus the Messiah, Jesus our Savior, to God's covenant promises to Abraham. And she says, Lord, you are fulfilling what you promised to Abraham, and you're doing it in our time, and for whatever reason, you're using me. This is awesome, God. We need to lay hold of the promises that God has in the word of God. When he has promised, he's the same. See, she didn't have these scriptures I'm saying now. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. So if he did those things back then, and we have a better covenant. I'm sorry. We have a better covenant. We have a covenant um, under the blood of Christ Jesus. That's a much better covenant than what she was standing under, right? If we would stand and believe that and know God is for us, not against us. He's for us. And that he can help us through whatever situations we are facing. Amen? Amen. So those are those five, the five points that we can learn from Mary. This young, unmarried, pregnant, peasant girl from an oppressed village, an oppressed nation. She sings praises to the living God from the depths of her soul. And you know what? We're still singing her song today. How long ago was that? But she, we're still singing those songs today. Now, you know, she had the over, Holy Spirit had overwhelmed her. She had the Holy Spirit helped her with that. She's not just a person that out of, the, you know, out of her humanness, this came forth. We all know. Holy Spirit stirred it up, but she didn't have to say anything. She didn't have to agree with it. She didn't have to do it. But that's what she felt, and she said, I'm going to glorify the Lord. She sings of God's mercy. She sings of his mighty arm. She sings that he's exalting the humble and satisfying the hungry. Now, those points are like a foretaste of her son Jesus' ministry. She speaks powerful words describing an active and powerful God who spans generations, who favors the vulnerable, and who keeps his promise. But what strikes me about this song is the timing of it, when Mary sang it. Mary did not sing this song when Jesus was born and the angels came and the star in the sky and all of that. She's singing this song while she is pregnant. She is singing this song while she is waiting, 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 waiting for God to do all that he said. That's why I named this today Worship in the Waiting. Worship in the Waiting. And I believe that Mary's worship had a part in bringing God's plan into fruition. Amen? Amen? Let's listen to Mary's song. 
glorifies the Lord My spirit rejoices in my Savior He has seen the humble state of my heart Yeah.
faithfulness and worship. I think God made an awesome choice. He knew who Mary was, didn't he? Hallelujah. Let us pray. Lord, just like Mary, may each of us always worship you singing. My soul magnifies the Lord. My soul glorifies the Lord. And my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. We love you, Lord, with all of our heart. It's in Jesus' mighty name we pray today. Thank you, Lord. Amen, amen, amen. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at joycc.info.